Hello, folks. This is Michelle Earhart, staff writer from Tom's Hardware. And here, we're here today looking at the Ryzen 4700S for the Tom's Hardware show with me. <laughs> Okay, so you might notice that our lovely host, Sharon Harding, isn't here. Uh, it's because she's moved on to other opportunities. Uh, but I'm here, uh, staff writer and frequent show guest, Michelle Earhart, to uh, take over show hosting duties, at least for now. And joining me on today's show is our deputy managing editor, Paul Alcorn, uh, who's here to show us a look at the AMD Ryzen 4700S which is a new mini PC kit from AMD, uh, currently available to OEMs and in Chinese markets, but you can't get it in the US right now. Uh, Paul, any details you have to share with us? Sure. So I think the probably the most important thing to know about this kit is that AMD has shared, one of the most important things to know is that AMD has shared little to no information about this kit. Now they have listed it, but they don't say anything about it. And the reason why is because this little thing, is almost definitely, it is, made from defective PS5 chips. As a matter of fact, it has so many similarities that um, it is essentially the same thing as a PS5, except the GPU is disabled. So, uh, you know, AMD makes the chips for the Sony PS5, punches, out, punches them out by the millions, but inevitably in the chip making process, there are defects. So some chips come out and they just can't be used. So what do you do with them? This time around, this is what you get. AMD has crafted a small little motherboard here that comes with a lot of, uh, it's very unique. It's very unique. We'll get into that in just a moment. But it's basically made for small systems. As you mentioned, for OEMs, it started out as being available in the, the Chinese markets but or Asian areas. I think that it is now hitting some EU retailers. We do not expect it to be available in the United States. Um, and some of that is shown, you can't do a whole lot with this, the benchmark software, some of it doesn't recognize it, any type of utility that you would use to measure clock speeds, temperatures, uh, power consumption, those types of tools, none of them recognize this device, which we'll talk about a little bit here in a, a minute. First, what are they doing? AMD essentially needs to sell these defective PS5 chips because otherwise they're just going to lose money for the chips that they made. And considering we're in the middle of a shortage, it makes a, it sounds like a good idea to them to sell these as little small OEM systems. They sell them to OEMs who put them in little systems like this one that we ordered from China. Now the side of the case is loose because I'm only putting one screw in here because I'm going to show you something real quick, but our system came like this. It cost about $750, which is nuts uh, as you'll understand why shortly. And we bought it from China. It came from China. And um, it took quite a while to, to get here. We couldn't buy it through normal retailers. When the system arrived, it's about what you would expect. I do have the motherboard out because you know why. However, just as a normal precaution, I tend to take a good look at the systems before I test them. And I popped this power supply off because it's a very interesting power supply. And I noticed something that's probably good. 
I know this is a little off the track of the 3700S. Sorry, but it is interesting. I mean, the, these. this is the way you can get this chip right now, though, is like as part of the whole package. So it's important to check these things when you buy them. It is important because when we look at the front of the power supply, it looks completely normal. However, when we look at the rear of the power supply, we can see here that screw right here is too long. And they've drove it down into the power supply to the point to where it's hitting components and backing up and bending the metal because it's collided with some components inside of the power supply. The screw is too long and oh, not a little bit, by a lot. And it exerted such pressure that it act, as it pulled this up when they, they must have tightened it down with an air hammer or something, it actually broke the metal a little bit because it, it exerted such force. But that's how they shipped it, and you would have never known because that was just like that and the bad parts on the back. So I hooked it up to it. I'm very glad that I didn't just plug it in because who knows, maybe we would have had a fire. Um, anyway. Just stuff so, it, just like if the broken part is there, just go ahead and place it not facing the consumer. They won't know the difference. Yeah, yeah, ship it off to America. Okay, so. The systems, the the PS5, obviously, the reason why AMD needs to, to sell these chips is because they're not um, they're not functional, and the errors or whatever defect that they have in in the chip is obviously in the GPU cores because the GPU on this is disabled. Now it has a modified RDNA architecture for the PlayStation. It's like thirty six compute units. Don't you know? But none of that really matters because it doesn't work. So they ship these little systems because it has no GPU with this, which, you know, it's a little two gigabyte RX 550. It's kind of cute, but we were at Tom's Hardware. So we test with things like this, which is the 3090. Now, technically, I mean, which is a funny pairing, but you know, when you see the review, we haven't seen <laughs> the review yet, but this is how we get down, right? That's how I tested it. The 3090 isn't on AMD's like supported list of uh, GPUs for this, right? Correct. This this has a very limited uh, number of supported GPUs. We'll put that over there very carefully. Excuse me. Okay. Does now, that fit in the case? Not to. No, no, no. You. Absolutely. I, I would. That's what I was just kind of thinking. Probably not. <laughs> I mean, absolutely not. I mean, the power supply definitely wouldn't fit in there. Anyway, uh, some a power supply that's sufficient enough to drive that. So the thing is, this this isn't really designed. It was designed for a console, so it's designed custom to to whatever it is that they need for the PS5. Which uses oh, an integrated GPU. So, huh? oh, that uses an integrated GPU. So, I'm curious how this works then with its external GPU, especially with the PCIe slots, which I assume you're about to start talking about. Correct. That's only that's only one. There's only one PCIe slot on this entire device. As a matter of fact, there's not even an M.2 port because that communicates over PCIe. So you have to use SATA. You can only connect SATA drives, and there's two of them. That's now, also a loss over the PS5. That yes, it is a it, it this is a significant detriment to, to investing in this system because you have to put a graphics card in this slot. You have no choice. So you can't hook up like a new NVMe SSD on like a carrier card, which is an option. Because you know, in our test lab, we use M.2 for everything. So you know, I actually had to clone over from an M.2 to a SATA. It's very rare 
as a matter of fact, I can't think of the last time I was forced to use SATA because usually there's additional slots and I just put a carrier. I'm getting off topic. PCIe 2.0 by 4. So if that sounds weird to you, that's because PCIe 2.0 is old. It's two gens old. Um, it'll give you about two gigabytes a second of throughput on this. For comparison, um, PCIe 3.0 by 16, which you would normally plug a graphics card into, though, even though most don't use by 16, it would be, or at least fully, would be 15.8 gigabytes a second of throughput. So, but you only have two gigabytes a second of throughput available here. Now, PCIe 4.0 is all the hotness. I mean, we're going back two generations. Yeah. PCIe 4.0 is 31.5 gigabytes. So this pipe is very skinny, even for a graphics card. Now, everybody knows, well, not, maybe not everybody, but throughput typically doesn't hurt graphics card's performance. Like you can go step down pretty far. But stepping down to PCIe 2.0 by 4 is bridge too far for something like that, 3090. That's um, what I'm thinking. Like, what is the max graphics card that you think you could use on this without like spending money on power that you're not going to be able to actually utilize? AMD has posted some very basic specifications for this board, but they don't even tell you the clock speed of the chip or anything. But one thing they do tell you is the supported um, GPUs and the fastest NVIDIA is a 1060 and the fastest AMD is a 590, RX 590. So, you know, what I'm doing is, is I'm connecting this 3090 on there because I test CPUs specifically, and that's what we use to test everything. That's our level playing field. So I want to see how this compares to all of the other chips with the 3090 when we're removing the GPU as the bottleneck as much as possible. But in this, in this case, because we're testing the CPU, not the GPU, um, but in this case, the GPU is actually a bottleneck just because it needs more a bigger bottleneck than normal because it, it needs more throughput. So for, we haven't posted the review yet. We're giving you a sneak peek, but when we do post it, you'll see that this is slower uh, than pretty much anything. Even if you go back to first gen Zen and even core I threes, stuff like that, uh, they're all able to push a high end graphics card much further. So if you're coming to this for any type of gaming, you're coming to the wrong place, unless you're looking to do very low end gaming with, the type of cards that you know AMD does suggest. Um, we'll probably do a little bit more uh, testing to see how it performs with those cards, but without comparative data, I you know to compare it to. Yeah, it's kind of giving you a number in the back. There is a, a YouTuber who's done a comparison against the thirty eight hundred XT uh, that we wrote about in a news post, but we're going to probably uh, have a bit more wider testing. Um, mm -hmm. There is a comment that I want to get into, but before we do that, I just want to double check. You said this came with an RX 550? Yeah. So you do get a GPU with it, not a uh, great uh, GPU. Uh, okay, so to be clear, AMD is on, only sells this. Okay. But they sell this to OEMs. And They're then the OEMs the make their own things. Correct. Okay, gotcha. So there's a couple of comments here that kind of point at a central issue, which is obviously this is going to be lower end. Uh, not for enthusiasts, but how's it going to, what's the pricing on this thing? You know, if you want to build a small thing for school or for your kid to play Minecraft on, um, would think, this be an affordable option? I don't, 
I, I, to be honest, I don't think that this is really an option for anyone because you can find the board itself. I mean, we're looking at $750 for it. The board itself, we're, we're guesstimating is probably four to $450. I mean, you can buy some, some pretty decent solutions and cobble together systems for better. And they're going to have far more connectivity. And part of the reason for gaming that this isn't going to be great is something we're going to get to is you'll notice something. This board is missing a very important component or well additive to just about any system. And that's DRAM. It does not have any DRAM because mm -hmm. this is designed. It's a PS5. So this cooler here. So you see on the back, this big heat sink, which is odd to see on the back, but we'll, we'll show you why here in just one second. This is an aluminum cooler. This cooler cannot handle the thermal load of this chip effectively at all. If you touch it with anything, like if you begin to run any type of a, even halfway taxing workload, this thing spins up to full speed because this aluminum heat sink is largely worthless. You can't, it's loud and uh, we're assuming the chip runs hot. We'll get into that in a second. But the the cooler on this is extremely loud and e e even the lightest of workloads shoots the CPU up to a very high temperature, which makes it very not ideal. So if we pop this off, I mean, I can't complain about the cooler enough because it is loud. I mean, you would probably be pretty shocked. How long do you think that means it's going to last if it sounds like it's already on its last legs when you get it? Well, I wouldn't say that it's already on its last leg. Um, you know, they, they design mechanisms inside of modern processors to where even if you're running it without a heat sink, it's going to be extremely hard to do any real damage to it because they, they account for these types of things. So I don't know if it would ex impact longevity as much as it will impact performance and additionally your peace of mind because it is it is it's surprisingly loud. Like is that a cooler that comes like with the chip on all of the builds or is that something the OEMs put in? So yes, so that's something I was going to tell you. AMD makes this and they make all of this. They don't okay. make anything but this. But the point is, one thing I was going to point out is this cooler is terrible. Usually when you get a bad cooler, you can just go buy another one. I'm not aware of any cooler mounter that you mounting mechanism that you can buy on the market that will match this thing. The chips that you buy for the socket, they have standardized sizes depending upon, you know, are you running what kind of a socket with either AMD or Intel? I don't, I'm not aware of one that will work with this. Maybe I'm wrong, but this is a massive spacing. And I can tell you most anything is not going to, most coolers will not plug into this board. This is all custom. So you can't swap out the cooler for a better, quieter cooler. So that's off the table. And the fan you get what you get. You get what you get. Yeah. And that's pretty much it. And inside the BIOS, you can't change anything. I mean, literally nothing. You can turn off cool and quiet, which is a power saving feature. And that is it. There are no parameters for this device, period. How much of that do you basically solution? might as well not exist. So you can't adjust fan curves or anything like that to make that cooler taller. How much of that do you suppose comes from its console roots? A lot, if not all of it, because you do have to understand that the control mechanisms that are built into this, this chip is built for Sony. Now, how Sony and AMD are working it out to where AMD can sell Sony's proprietary shit is beyond me. I, yeah, I have no idea how that works, especially since so, it seems to me like you want to, if you get the, the half the point of the PS5's chip is the integrated GPU, right? And with that defective, 
why get this over any other you know chip that would work in a small form factor so a big part of the of the ip that goes in and the development work that goes into this that is going to be proprietary is how they control the chip and it just may simply be that they can't add hooks for all of that because it's not their ip now what's interesting is is when you have this system and you attempt to monitor it with any type of a monitoring utility, something as simple as CPU-Z to see what your clock speed is. How fast is my chip running? Something uh, like any type of CPU temperature monitoring software. Um, even Ryzen Master, AMD's own software does not work with this chip. It will not work. We've confirmed with AMD that it does not work. So we have close relationships. We test a lot of chips. Um, that are new or sometimes not even on the market. And we have relationships with ISVs, which are independent software vendors, such as with um, Ida, Final Wire, um, HW Info. These are common utilities that people use to monitor their chip, to see how hot it is, how fast it's going. So we know these folks, I've known them for years. And in, in times when we run into problems, uh, they work with us to make sure that we're getting accurate information. Unfortunately, AMD hasn't shared any information with these companies at, at all whatsoever. And I've ran diagnostic programs and sent them reports. They have built-in things. It's kind of complicated. They have a way that we, we can share. They can get the information they need. But even with that information, they are unable to give us uh, really accurate measurements of anything. We can get some ballpark clock figures, but they're not even accurate. Sometimes it spikes up to 12 gigahertz, uh, which naturally is not accurate. Uh, quite commonly, that's what it reads. So my guess, I wouldn't say a guess. I mean, we're probably pretty close is it runs anywhere between 3.6 and four gigahertz the chip. Now I'm rambling, I'm sorry, but no uh, it's quite the challenge and the same with temperatures. We're not sure if the temperatures that we're reading are accurate, the power data that the chip is feeding off, you can't even hook into. And these people are professionals. This is what they do. And AMD hasn't shared it with them. I followed up with AMD. And they just said, sorry, there are no utilities that work with that board and they have no intention of enabling that. Um, another thing that uh, AMD hasn't told us, sorry. Okay, go ahead. No, go oh, ahead. Sorry. <laughs> another thing that AMD hasn't told us is uh, they haven't specifically clarified that this is defective PS5 chips, right? That is correct. So that what, what, make, what leads knowledge, us to that conclusion? to um, a number of factors. And a lot of that, some of that, there, there are more than enough ways to know. Some of them are die shots. People have got a hold of this and taken close die shots and compared the two. But other parts of it are more clear. One of them is the fact that it has eight GDDR6 memory chips. So remember I said, why is this big honking piece of thick metal back there? And it's got these thermal pads. That's because this doesn't have DRAM slots, so you don't have system memory like we would normally um, figure that works with processors. Instead, it has GDDR6. I was wondering where graphics that memory card. was. I didn't see the DRAM, but we were it's moving in the same direction. Graphics card memory. So this is a total of 16 gigabytes of memory spread out across eight modules. Okay, there. Uh, it's a 256-bit interface. You have 16 by 16, 16 bits for each chip. You can look at the traces and just see them feed right into the chip. I don't think the camera has good enough resolution, but it is quite fantastic. There you go. You can see the traces from the memory feeding right into the chip. Now, graphics memory is optimized for bandwidth, okay? And bandwidth is very important for some tasks, especially graphics. 
for a graphics engine bandwidth is very important, not so much latency. What they do is uh, graphics memory trades off. Uh, they, they deliver you higher bandwidth at lower power, but you sacrifice latency, which is how fast when you ask, do you get the information back? Like they can give you a whole lot of information at once, but it's kind of like a dump truck. It may take a little bit. You get a lot of bandwidth. The dump truck can carry a whole lot of stuff. Latency would be kind of like the Ferrari that just carries a little bit. It brings it right to you. So it's relatively slow to respond. How slow? Well, we measure those kind of things. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you. But um, point being, it's much slower than you'll get more bandwidth, but it takes longer for that information to be received by the processor. That's great for graphics cards, but it's terrible for CPUs. So when you look at this... A 4750G, which is a Rimoir CPU, which is kind of close to this. Close, but not. Close enough. It has the same architecture. It's in two cores. And it's close enough for comparison. The maximum latency that we measure with that um, using a, a special tool that we don't use, like, I won't get into it. You have to, it, it's hard to measure correctly. This is measure. just a preview. Yes. It's 123 nanoseconds of latency for a 4750G. That's your APU desktop chip, you can buy it and put it in your, it's a normal AMD chip, I would say. I could put it in uh, the system uh, that I'm streaming on right now. Per, provided it. Potentially, if yeah, I have the right. Put it in perspective, you can go buy it on a shelf and plug it in. Okay, so it's 123 nanoseconds. Now for this, the, the latency is 250 nanoseconds. So with CPUs, games are very memory latency sensitive. So while huge bandwidth and bad latency is cool with GPUs, matter of fact, you want huge bandwidth. It's terrible for the CPU. And so when we tested the gaming, and it's, it's to say it's terrible is probably an understatement, even with the 3090. A lot of that is this PCIe 2.0 interface, but I believe that a lot of it is coming off the fact that you have such high latency. So what do you get in exchange for that high latency? Well, you get more bandwidth. So when you test it and you compare bandwidth, Right. Maybe getting in the weeds. Sorry. No worries. But I actually, you're getting a few questions from Jared Walton, who's one of our editors. And I wanted to, to let you keep going because it seemed like you were addressing them, but he was yeah, asking. Yeah, how the yeah, 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 yeah. So we just answered that, right? 123. It's quite fantastic. Like, okay. So if you measure with something, hey, Jared will know what I'm talking about. If you measure with something like I do, it only measures to a certain test depth which is 64 kilobytes. So it gives you a weird latency reading. So with Ida, it reads for the 4700S, 145 nanoseconds of latency. But that's not actually what it is. If you test with this tool I have, which I can send you, Jared, is uh, 250 nanoseconds is pretty terrible. But that's a more accurate reading. Um, so when you look at the bandwidth, you get you get a much higher bandwidth. That's the, the, the advantage of this. So when you look at, um, I did test with Ida for this because it has a good bandwidth test, it is completely applicable. You get 62 uh, gigabytes a second at, with read. With copy, you get 92. So we'll just say you're basically getting 90 gigabytes a second of memory throughput with this. For the 4750G, which is our comparison chip that's a normal everyday chip, you get 45 gigabytes a second. So you're basically getting double the, the memory throughput. Now, there's really only one type of workload that's going to, well, I, I better be careful about saying only one type. But the primary type of workload that would benefit from that increased bandwidth 
as anything that uses the FPU, floating point unit, or like AVX, um, certain types of instructions that will leverage that throughput and aren't as sensitive to latency like gaming. So uh, that testing, you'll have to come to the review to see. But so this is going to be a, a productivity machine uh, productivity. using a, a gaming APU with part of its uh, what is it? With part of its GPU, with its whole GPU disabled. And then even then it's only going to be effective or most effective in very specific productivity tasks. Correct. And it's a Zen 2 architecture, which is very old. So basically for single threaded performance, when you open an application, how snappy is it? Even um, just your web browser or office or anything like that, you should think of this as an 1800X, which is a first generation AMD processor that's very old and very sluggish. It's very sluggish. So while you may get some use when you go into more threaded applications, it becomes more like an actual Zen 2 processor, which would be like a 27 or 3700X. It would it, it ranks, uh, it's about so 2700X, but not quite. So AMD is, you know, two generations beyond that. That leads me to this question from a confused counsel who asked, what's the point of this, like compared to a $400 HP laptop? It almost makes me think, you know, maybe there's a reason we're only seeing this in some regions, at least. Correct. Now. What's the point? The point is so that they can sell defective silicon that otherwise would go into the trash bin. But who's going to buy this? I don't know. I can't come up with a, I can't recommend this pretty much to anyone. <laughs> <laughs> I don't see what you can't do anything with it. And you definitely can't, uh, you know, you can't upgrade anything. There, there's no upgrading. I mean, your only external interface to the world for, you know, is too sad. Well, not to the world, but to two of the most important devices is two SATA ports and one of these. So you can't even put storage in here. The fact that this is using a granted defective, but a PS5 chip makes me think, okay, I want to buy it because I want a PS5, but a PC interface. But not only do you have to use your own GPU, but you still get that console lockdown. So it's just a worse PS5. You got it about right. <laughs> that sounds, that's a pretty good summation, except you're, you know, you're paying a lot of money. I mean, a PS5, you know, is great at what it does. It's mm -hmm. what it's designed to do. I mean, I'm that make that leads me to this other question from Confused Council, which obviously this machine seems just a preview right now, but seems like we're leaning towards not liking it. Um, but some of that is because it's like artificially locked down, right? Let's say we were using a non-defective chip and we had upgradability. Uh, could PCs be better than consoles in that way? Does the main benefit that consoles have is that they get artificial improvement through all their lockdown stuff? Um, how does this sort of frame into the way you see the console PC debate? For gaming, um, I'm always going to say as a general reply without even thinking that PCs are going to get you more because they're upgradable and you have choice. Uh, and you can do anything else that you want to do with them. Consoles are great because when they're designed, they're designed to do a specific thing very, very well. And that type of specialization, they're wonderful with it. The amount of 
performance and the, the um, advantages that they wring out from taking that approach are, are undeniable. But they also have long life cycles. The architectures used for those chips are going to be in place for several, several years. While even when people say at the beginning when they're first released, oh, it's just as fast as a PC. Uh, I beg to differ, but even then you're just comparing to today. Let's talk about three or four years down the road, what a PC could be if you were using newer components when you will not have that option. Part of um, the benefit of a console to me is that more frequently as consoles get more advanced, this becomes less true, but more frequently you can just plug them in and they'll just work, right? Like out of the box, wonderful. you, you know, don't have to do any finagling, but with this device, you don't get that. No, you absolutely do not. I mean, if you want to know how fast your chip is running, this device is not for you. If you want to know how hot it is, this device is not for you. If you want to adjust the memory settings, this or anything, I mean, you 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 have one parameter. There might have been another. I think you could select boot devices, but um, the, the it, it's so locked down. AMD's communication on it is virtually. I wouldn't say it's virtually non-existent what they will say officially isn't very helpful we'll just put it that way so um you know i wouldn't so I feel like through. the general idea of this device again going to jared walton is it's it's like a digital ps5 minus everything that makes a ps5 great and also with the worsen you have to try to manipulate windows to get the best out of it which again yeah. that takes away the whole reason of getting ps5 which is it just works yeah, if you want a science project, this is for you. <laughs> this is for the the a Raspberry Pi fan who's ready to go even, to the next level with broken. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you you know you're into tinkering, but the bad thing is, is then he, what do you tinker with? So yeah, yeah. It's, it, it, it's bad all the way around. Um, to be honest. Now this yeah. is another comment from Jared Walton. I'm pretty sure it's a joke, but I'm curious. Could you rip apart a PS5 and put its cooler in this? That is a good idea that did not occur to me. And considering how bad this is, this cooler is, I would probably give it a shot. I mean, this has got to be one of the worst coolers I've ever encountered. And I don't even, know why you'd want to, because you're taking a, a good device and making it. And I test Intel stock coolers, people. So if I say it's bad, I mean, <laughs> my bars. I don't know why you'd take your cooler from a good device thus making that good device worse and putting it in this Frankenstein to just make it slightly better. But I guess you could if. Yeah. So, you know, we're going to post a review and you know, depending upon interest, I might do a little bit of uh, experimentation. I would like to see what would happen if I can somehow rig up a better cooler. Uh, we work a lot with Splave, who just happens to be the world's number one overclocker. He writes articles for us and he's really good at rigging up cooling devices. So I'm probably going to reach out to bother him and uh, come up with some sort of an idea to hack something onto here better and see if we can improve performance. Who knows, maybe we'll send it to him and he'll pour some liquid nitrogen on it. <laughs> it'll be great. But as you buy it out of the box, I would say that don't waste your time. I mean, go buy yourself like a 5300G or- well, See, that's the thing I'm thinking. We're getting the, a, a comment saying like, wonder if it's good at retroemulation. It might be able to do that, but is it as good at retroemulation as other mini PCs in the same price range. I suppose we'll have to wait for the review to hear about that thing. But uh, this seems mostly like them just trying to push silicon that would otherwise be wasted, right? 
So if, if you had to buy a mini PC today and your budget were like $500, um, you probably wouldn't go for this, right, Paul? Absolutely not. Do you have any suggestions for what you'd go for instead? Oh. I mean, not I, to put I, you I hate to say time. a laptop, but probably. <laughs> um, I mean, if you're looking to build a mini, a mini PC, what would I go for? I start looking for um, APUs. If you're looking for something like this, it's not going to have a whole lot of compute. I mean, if you're going to pair it with a GPU, maybe you're looking at like a Core i3 paired with a, a lower end graphics card. I mean, that would depend upon pricing. I can't tell you any, you know, which way is the wind blowing today on graphics card pricing. I can guarantee you it's blowing in the bad direction. But it seems you know, like you're breaking up a little bit. I'm sorry. It seems like you're breaking up a little bit, but it said you seem like the the wind is going in the in a bad direction for graphics card pricing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you're going for like a Core i3, you'd be looking to pair it with a lower end graphics card. I can't really tell you what you could do in that price range without looking um, at the pricing as it stands at the minute because it changes so rapidly, and you just can't find things. And then if you're looking at something like a uh, if you're looking for AMD. Like a Core i3 would be what I would say for Intel. For AMD, I would suggest just go with an APU. If you if you can get away with like a 5700G or maybe a 5600G. 5700G is expensive. 5600G is too. Maybe that. 500 might not leave you a whole lot of room for that. If you could buy the 3300X, oh man, that's a wonderful chip. That is a wonderful chip, but you can never find it. Yeah. Um, that's the other problem with, the, with this. Granted, we're we've moved on to talking about other alternative chips right now, but assuming you were to buy this 4700S kit, you'd have to supply your own GPU and GPUs are expensive and hard to find right now. Yeah. Yeah. And, and really to build a comparable system. I mean, the reason why I'm saying laptop and believe me, it pains me to say that <laughs> is because the, you know, I'm a PC. What guy. pains you more to say laptop or console? Console. Okay, <laughs> but uh, for sure, no doubt. But anyway, um, I am not against consoles. I just prefer PCs. But I, you know, I like being more open. But the, you, you know, with the low end of the chip market, and this is something I've been doing a lot of testing, and we've written quite a few reviews on. Just in the last two months, we've had three reviews. Well, technically more than that. But um, the low. So I've looked and been paying very close attention to the low end processor market, it's almost non-existent. Because of the chip shortages, both AMD and Intel are prioritizing higher-end chips. So the low-end chips are almost non-existent. They're extremely hard to find at retail. So if you're not buying one of AMD's new APUs, you probably are better off looking at a laptop right now. Gotcha. I assume the well, answer like, for this, I have one question on my mind. Deep force but now? <laughs> But before I move on to that, I assume the answer to this question is yes, but this can run Linux, right? It's not that locked down? No, no, no. You can run Linux on it. Okay, sweet. I'm going to um, run some IPC tests on Linux. So we've got another commenter says they found a kit for 349 euros. Another issue with this, though, is, you know, AMD's just making the, the motherboard, but the the specific builds that you're going to be able to buy are going to vary from OEM to OEM. Yeah, I mean, and I, I've heard that the, you can buy, I mean, I need to do some pricing analysis as we write this, but um, I've heard that you can buy this as a standalone board through grayish market. Okay. 
Great. So that may be what uh, they're referring to there. Possibly. Uh, but just remember, if you do buy via an OEM, Pulse came with a potentially fire hazard PSU. Yeah, but that is from a, a you know, I mean, not to diss the manufacturers, but. I that mean, one's maybe not AMD's fault. Okay. That was absolutely not AMD's fault. One last question, and this one is for me. Uh, this is a Zen 2 chip, uh, so it's a, it's a little bit behind the, the curve. Um, but we have the Steam Deck coming out soon, which is also a Zen 2 chip. It uses RDNA 2 graphics. But I know we've moved on to Zen 3. This is a new 4700 chip instead of a 5000 series chip. How much longer is Zen 2 going to stay relevant, do you think? You're going to see Zen 2 for a long time. You're going to see, I wouldn't say a long time, but you're... You, you, for specific segments, it's good enough. If you're if you're making an APU, you don't necessarily need a ton of compute in some cases. And um, you know, I think that you'll see Zen two at least for a little bit more. And in custom, any type of custom chip or custom design, the when you're looking at the actual execution cores, which is the micro architecture of that core, which is into, there are a number of things that surround it that are, that can be mixed and matched. You have IO interfaces, PCIe memory support can do, how do you want to feed it? As you see here, we're feeding it with graphics memory. We're not even feeding it with a normal DRAM. What if you, and you could even hook up uh, HBM too. Um, there are all these pieces around it that really impact performance in different ways. And that allows them to take what you would consider a slightly older thing and bolt certain things on there that make it wonderful for a certain application. So I think that AMD will continue to make um, Zen 2. I think it's primarily, you'll just see it in semi-custom. So Zen 2, just because it's Zen 2 doesn't mean it's bad. It's not always going to be a horrible Frankenstein that centers itself around defective silicon. No, and Zen 2 was was actually wonderful for its time. And they have made some changes to Zen 2 in retrospect that are actually give it a pretty big boost. Like they've added things like uh, it's kind of more in the weeds, but they're really important for performance. They've added things like targeting uh, support for that. And, um, you know, there, there are a number of things, uh, enhanced power gating, Things of that nature where they can dedicate more power to certain parts of the chip to, to give you more performance, even though it's the exact same thing. Like they can do all kinds of optimizations and they've done a lot of that really good work with Zen 2. It moves forward. Awesome. So. Well, we're running up against time right now, but thank you so much for joining us, Paul. Thank you for all the lovely comments uh, from our commenters. Uh, don't have a set date for when you can read this review quite yet, but you will be able to read it on tomshardware.com in a amount of time. Sure. <laughs> yes. Or, and, yeah, yes. And thank you for uh, for joining us. Thank you for bearing with me. Uh, there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff that I'm still getting used to, but I appreciate you welcoming in uh, welcoming me in as the new host. Um, and we will miss Sharon Harding, but we the will. show must go on. So you can see us next week at 3 p.m. as always, and we'll see you then. Bye, everyone.